sort of explore creativity. We piss people off. You know, who has access to art? An ephemeral queer space. You're just mm -hmm. like, you get this crazy idea and you're like, yeah, we can do this. <laughs> if not now, when? Welcome to episode four of the Third Space Gallery podcast. I'm your host, Abigail Smith. Personally, I'm really excited about today's episode about the intersection of art and the trades with metalsmith and artist Ghislaine Sear. Ghislaine has worked alongside master blacksmiths to bring large-scale public art installations to life. And especially in a city like St. John, I think that labor and the trades intersect with creative practice here quite a bit. So I really loved Ghislaine's thoughts on the relationship between the two for her own practice as a welder, as a visual artist, and as a contractor of artistic pieces. I'd also like to thank Local 107.3 FM for the huge amount of support they've given us throughout this process. This podcast truly would not exist without them. They are a campus and community radio station, St. John's only campus and community radio station. So if you are interested in becoming a member and broadcasting or podcasting yourself, you can visit their website at localfm.ca. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast, and please enjoy this conversation with metalsmith Gillian Sear. You occupy like kind of a niche space in the art world. Um, I know that you're an artist, metalsmith, um, and I remember you talking a little bit about your work in making in, in, in fabricating things for artists. Is that the bulk of what you do? No, actually, I'm thinking that's what I could be doing, just because I think that there is a kind of a lack in that whole... Because, I mean, as an artist, if you want to get into doing public art and things that are more substantial and therefore will yield a better profit, you need to, yeah, you need to get better, like, bigger projects or whatever. Well, that's kind of how my approach was. But to hire a welding shop that's used to doing farming equipment, when you show up with your art projects, uh, a lot can go wrong, and they don't—they're not specialized in that. So that's why I thought I could probably enter that market, because there's not really anyone as an artist who understands the welding process in New Brunswick. Mm. I mean, there might be there—you know—there's some shops that are totally stoked about doing one-of-a-kind, unique, you know, creative stuff too. But since I'm you know, I've been on that path. That was more what I was thinking, just because that's what I've been doing, and I think that's how I was able to differentiate my work from other people, is because I have the welding skills and the resources to practice as a welding artist, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm interested in that kind of intersection between... Um between using like a trade skill um, to to make art and and the with other artists uh, the point that they have to get to at a certain point when sculptors want something huge or maybe if like a municipality um, commissions a large piece like the at a certain point it goes beyond 
the creative conception, you you need people with actual trades to yeah. to help make it. Um, and that's really interesting, especially in a it, in a province like New Brunswick, which is you know quite industrial. Yeah, and I think that New Brunswick has been doing a good job with public art policies and and whatnot, and like integrating artwork to architecture, and because it is an important part of it, you know, theater, theater and um, music is more prominent in this province, especially up north, um, you know, because there's a lot of musicians and there's a lot of great talent. But as far as, like, sculptural stuff, there's only a few artists who have really excelled in that, like, and have a presence in towns and whatnot. So, yeah, I think it's important, but I think the the reason why and like how I got to be into that intersection, as you well said it, is that I was uh, I started out as a tradesperson in the craft craft school, right? So I went to craft college, mm. and that's kind of how I learned more on the technical aspect of making art, because you know I learned jewelry and photography and then blacksmithing, and then from there I kind of went into welding thinking that I was going to work as a welder Mm. in the industry for a lot longer and I ended up working for contractors of public art and blacksmiths you know master blacksmith people in the province of Quebec and they have a public art policy that's been instated since the 70s and it's very implicated and the budgets are a lot bigger and like they've understood that the artist as a contractor needs to work hand-in-hand with the architects and the contractor of the public project, you know, the construction site and stuff. And that's not something that you see a lot of in New Brunswick. It's like there's a fear of responsibilizing an artist with those kinds of tasks Mm -hmm. of construction, you know, being on a construction site, Mm. anchors, you know, engineering of the right anchors, the right materials, that kind of thing. And I think that they're definitely, and in New Brunswick could be a lot more consulting to help artists, you know, find the resources to make whatever project they want to see come to life that, you know, hasn't been done before. And Mm. I mean, that's kind of where I thrive is do something that's never been done. Mm. (laughs) But Turns out everything's always been done, but you, know. <laughs> you can remix <laughs> There's always it. A different way to do it. <laughs> yeah, totally. I um, are you are you? Um, I know that you're in Edmonton right now. Are you currently working on any, on any sculptural pieces? Uh, no, I don't have. Like, I always have a couple of projects on the on the go. But before you get the financing and the okay from all the stakeholders to actually make the piece. There needs to be a lot of legwork and paperwork and stuff, so I'm more in the administrative portion of a project right now mm. that's hopefully going to happen in St. John. Well, actually, there's a couple of them that I'm considering, so hopefully this summer I'll be doing something in the in the metal shop, and it's probably going to be for the city of St. John somehow. Oh, that's great. But I'm not, yeah, like right now I'm a full-time student, so I'm, I haven't been producing in, in the metal shop much <laughs> mm. yeah and I, I appreciate what you're saying about uh, you're in the administrative part of the process yeah 
which sounds <laughs> a lot less fun than the welding part. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, the welding part is such a small portion of it, but it is a logistic that's not negligible mm. just because it has to be well done. And for sure, like for me, I like my work to look good. So, And nice welds aren't always the most structurally sound ones. Mm. That's interesting. Are you... Um... So what kind of welding do you use for your pieces? Um, like, are, are you using MIG welding? Yeah, well, so far, like, I've done one piece in aluminum for which I use TIG welding. Mm. And if I was to do stainless steel, I'd probably use TIG also, depending on the, the scale of the piece. But when I'm, I have been doing a lot of steel, just soft steel, so I have been using MIG welding. Cool. Just because it's the most, you know, efficient. And I am in a shop. Like if I was outside a shop, I'd probably want to do stick or something. But I haven't had to weld on site yet. Like I've designed my work to be assembled on site and installed. And mm. so yeah. your work kind of changes depending on the kind of shop you have access to. Well, I always have the same shop, and that's why I think that I can help other artists. If they have metalworking projects that they need consultations or even some welding stuff or engineering, you know, concerns or whatever, mm. just because I have all those resources in place and, you know, like there's not that many projects in this province to, to do. So, I mean, even if I'm doing one, I could probably take on some consulting work also. But I always have the same shop, so that's kind of why I'm, I have been. And the fact that I'm also a certified welder <clears throat> helps. Uh, take on things that might be a lot more intimidating to other artists who, you know, have education in, in arts as a bachelor degree, like visual arts, fine arts, but wouldn't necessarily know where to start when it comes to the structural aspect of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like the next step after, like, art school doesn't always give people... Um everything that they need so especially when you want to get into like large pieces or uh, I love the idea of of wanting to beef up the kind of consulting aspect of of making work and like I mean I I, I always get really drawn to like really big pieces that require like teams of people to make them <laughs> yeah um, that's really awesome I love the idea of having a team working with me also <laughs> but the budgets don't always <laughs> yeah Where's the money? Allow for that. <laughs> yeah, but I think that uh, I, it's interesting that you just to go to move back a little bit. Um, I didn't know that you went to the craft college first before getting your training as a welder. Yeah, yeah, I was at the New Brunswick College of Craft and Design in Fredericton, and I studied jewelry and photography there, and I did the foundation visual arts, and then I went to Kootenai School of the Arts, where I learned blacksmithing and some basic welding and brazing and whatnot, but I did finish my degree, my diploma doing jewelry. Because I always thought, well, you know, like anything I can do in small scale and silver and it's so uh, involved, like tedious, you know, mm. that I thought, well, it'll transfer very easily to anything large scale with steel. Like the finishing aspect is, well, it's more involved because it's large scale usually, but, you know, if you're doing functional house ornament stuff, the finishing aspect is way less implicated than jewelry. So I thought that would be an easy transition to do. Mm. And so that's kind of how I always like wanted to do large things. 
And, um, yeah, so I think that's how I ended up doing that. And it's funny because when I finished my welding certificate, I did work in the industry for a while, and then I ended up working with, you know, this Walche in Saint-Jean-Port-Joli. He's a contractor of public art, mm. large-scale sculptures. So he hired me as a welder to make these big sculptures for other artists. So there's, you know, he works for maybe he's got maybe 10 or 15 clients. So that's kind of how I came into thinking about the consulting aspect of my business, mm -hmm. where I could go with that. Or I can even just, you know, be a welder for an artist who needs a project done. Like what they used to do is they'd bring him the maquette that was approved, that they just, let's say they did win the competition. Okay, well, here's the maquette. So they would bring Che the maquette and he would do everything from the engineering to the design plannings, like the construction plans, to the fabrication, the installation, everything. So you can imagine the types of budgets. I think the smallest budget he had, we worked on this piece and it was like $150,000. Wow. So, you know, and so the artist, that's what the budget was, but, you know, so he had to make the sculpture for, you know what I mean? So there, we're talking big, mm. you know, architectural <laughs> that sounds so exotic to have like a, a, a contractor of public art. <laughs> I know, I know. And he's, I think that there's a few of them in the province of Quebec. And he was teaching at the craft college in Quebec City for anchoring, like teaching students how to do anchors and mm. stuff like that. But in New Brunswick, I haven't seen anything like that. So either you'll go to a private person and learn things or try and find someone to that you can hire to do it for you or something, you know? Yeah, I had heard um, when I was at NBCC in St. John, I think that the welding shop there would occasionally get um, get commissioned or, or asked to, to do some kind of unusual stuff, mm -hmm. um, which is always really exciting. But I think, I think it's unique to you that you would... Um, you know, learn about jewelry and think that welding larger scale would be easier. I think that's really admirable. <laughs> well, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember making this uh, table for when I was a first year and at the craft college in Fredericton. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I had to get help from the third year students. And it was like, it was like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> It's not a furniture class. It's a jewelry class. <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted to make something big. Yeah. I'm like, well, you know, like I have all these components and, you know, I don't know. I just like, I guess, pushing boundaries. Yeah. And I think most artists do also, like whether it's from concepts. But for me, my approach is mostly technical. You know, like it took me a while to see myself as an artist because I'm kind of like a blue collar of the arts where my medium is metal and my my work is a lot about my technical skills. And like I struggle with explaining myself as an artist because my concepts are like, well, I just like to make shiny things, you know? Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what it was, but now I've like gotten better at explaining and at, at embodying values for my clients and and that kind of thing but I think that's why I'm seen more as a commercial artist because I do work for clients mm. so yeah 
but I like the exploration that you're talking about of like um, the art that the the artistry of it for you is in your technical abilities. Um, that sounds like spoken like a true tradesperson. That the <laughs> yeah. the creativity of it is that you you're comfortable in playing with these principles with the, with the material you're working with. Yeah, so far that's what it's really been about, and like even the finishing things, like the finishing. Uh, techniques that I use it's mostly yeah it's it has a functional aspect you know Mm. so it's a lot about yeah that's what my background is so it's a lot about function you know like in craft colleges we speak like form meets fashion Mm -hmm. and function meets (laughs) fashion (laughs) 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 but yeah yeah, like I've been the... interested in that, just metal stuff of all sorts. Mm. I like playing with fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Most welders do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Welders are all fire bugs. <laughs> uh, do you think that uh, there's something from the trades world or some kind of like psychology of a tradesperson that? helps you as an artist? I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about. Um, or I guess I mean, like, is there, do you think that there's something that you pull from the kind of like trades training that you have that helps you creatively? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because like, I'm, it's like, let's say I'm learning a technique or I'm seeing uh, how to apply certain materials, different you know, different metals, different finishings, and that's usually when I get inspiration, like, oh, man, we could do something like this and see how that would look, like how that would turn out in the end, you know what I mean? Mm. So I think that it's definitely influencing how I think as an artist, the fact that I'm a craft person. Yeah, kind of like that experimenting and problem solving. Yeah, yeah. Like, one of my bodies of work that I did when I was a student. Um, when I graduated from Kootenai School of the Arts, I had learned this technique called anticlastic raising. And basically, it's techniques of silversmithing where um, they, they use those techniques to make teapots and silverware. Mm. So it's not jewelry, but it's functional silverware, right? Mm. And hollowware and stuff like that. So components of those fabrication techniques were kind of broken down by this man called Hiki Seppa, and he was teaching jewelry and metalsmithing at a university in the States. I can't remember which one. And one of my profs had actually did a workshop with him, and she was teaching that to us as students. So I went with this technique, and I thought, I want to make the largest, pieces of jewelry possible that are still comfortable Mm. so I came up with these big collars and armbands and stuff and it's all like super organic and fluid and yeah so that was really a way to kind of explore an artistic concept through technical backgrounds right Mm. and it was really fun project. Like nobody thought I could pull it off when I was studying. <laughs> and I remember it was on a gallery one day and this lady was there with her friends 
and they were like, oh my God, you have the perfect neck for this piece. You have to try this piece on. And she was like panicked because she was like, I'm claustrophobic. I can't put this thing on. It's huge. <laughs> and then once she had it on, it was like a big copper piece. And when she had it on, she felt safe. It was like a, the weirdest thing to see happen. And I was like, wow, mm. that's not something I would have expected from having a reaction like, reaction like that from my work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like she, it was kind of like armor. Yeah. That's, yeah. I see the appeal. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you'd, you'd have to see, like, if you go on my website, you can check it out. It's mm. the end plastic collection. So you'll see a couple of those pieces from that collection. But my intention was in no way armor-like or, you know what I mean? It was really about just making big wearable pieces that are comfortable. Mm. Yeah, like seeing how far you could push, like, the size of something. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) And because of the curviness of the anti-classic raising, like, it it helped make things comfortable. Oh, that's interesting. Like, the the technique itself kind of lends itself to, like, a a body form. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I'll, um, I'll... I'll include your your website in the in the link to this episode, so that people can check that out. Yeah, the Anticlastic Collection. Wonderful. Well, yeah. th- thank you so much for chatting with me today. This was like really fun. It kind of makes me want to weld. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you can come to Edmonton and we can have a welding weekend or something. <laughs> I would love that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great to introduce like have. Like you said, you know, have people work with me and have people come to the shop. And like I was kind of hoping to give workshops at a certain point, too. But there's a lot of logistics with with health and safety Mm. concerns and stuff like that. So I haven't really tackled that yet. But one thing at a time, I guess. Yeah. Well, (laughs) when you do sort that out, put me on the list because I would absolutely love to come check out the shop. And it's fun, too. It is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems like a lot well, of fun. Well, thanks for uh, taking some time to speak to me also, and I hope this sounds great on the radio. <laughs> this, Thank you so much. Yeah, this was wonderful. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Third Space Gallery podcast. This podcast is hosted and produced by me, Abigail Smith, with invaluable support from St. John's only campus and community radio station, Local 107.3 FM. Our logo is by Judd Crandall of Pulp and Paper Design, and our theme song is Norwood Falls by Wangled Teb. Thank you to the Third Space Gallery Board of Directors and our Executive Director, Kathleen Buckley.